0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. Hello, welcome to Are We There Yet? I'm Katie Gossett, and this is a parenting podcast. And for a baby entering the world, it's all new. We pretty much need to learn everything— And then just when we've learnt it, it keeps on changing.
1: Today's young people are perhaps less certain than their parents were at the same age about the world out there and what it holds for them.
0: So that's a documentary back in 1977 in which parents and teenagers talk about getting along, drugs, sex and all the stuff of life. And it turns out they were just as worried back then about the pace of life and stress as we are today.
2: Young people heading out into a more demanding world feel pressures from many sides to shape up to those changing demands.
0: Because just the pace things are going. Everything's going up around us, so we've sort of got a stretch with it. And it sort of, I don't know, makes one more anxious. So anxiety, unfortunately, has always been around for young people, but in today's children it can show up in another, more troubling way.
1: In this episode, we're looking at the issue of cutting or self-harm. It became an obsession. It became her way of coping with, she told me many times, um, the pain inside her head. So causing physical pain was a release to her.
0: When someone's cutting, for family members it's a really difficult thing to understand. So let's begin by touching base with
2: our clinical psychologist, Catherine Gallagher. Self-harm is really provocative. Um, There's no amount of safe self-harm. You know, we, we need to deal with it. But having said that, you know, it's important not to panic about it because we can certainly do some things about it. Most people who deliberately self-harm don't die by suicide, but it is a risk factor. So, again, there's no amount that's an amount that we can just ignore. We need to do something about it. One mother saw the
0: self-harm gradually develop as her daughter was in hospital receiving treatment for a serious eating disorder.
1: Oh, I was just devastated. I just couldn't understand it. At first, get really angry. I remember one of the first times i came in and i just after she'd done it i just wanted it to disappear and i was quite unsympathetic with her and you know what are you doing you know you we, we're trying to help you and here you are like sabotaging it i didn't understand what it was about
0: in this case the cutting culminated in two suicide attempts and while this
1: woman's daughter recovered the self-harm took its toll on everyone How do you manage the stress and the impact on the family? How do you, as a a working mother, manage, you know, your full-time job and still manage to rock up every day and not fall apart? You know, it's huge. It's also a lonely experience. The usual people, like your friends and family, they don't understand. Bless them. I mean, they want to, but they don't, you know. So they say all the wrong things. You know, why can't you just do this? Or give it to me for a week, I'll get her fixed. So you tend to shut yourself away and that's why it's so lonely because you don't feel like you can go to a coffee group anymore and people ask you how is such and such, You, what are you going to say? You know, well, she's terrible, <laughs> let me tell you about
0: it, you're not. But she says the family is finally starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel.
1: I won't lie to you, it has been incredibly hard on our family and, and I've had some health issues around it myself, just from the stress. You know, and I've had my my meltdowns where I've completely shut my bedroom door and just told everyone to disappear and leave me alone. Please, I can't take any more. So to now finally, today, having a little bit of freedom back for all of us is is it's phenomenal.
0: In another case, the self-harm was more short-lived but no less devastating for this mother. Oh, scattered. I was so upset, just didn't know why she was doing it and just yeah, just worried that it could lead to anything else but you don't know, no, just really gutted. I felt sad for her. But she says it's important to keep the lines of communication open. Just keep talking to them. They won't want to talk to you but you've just got to keep talking to them. And when you do talk to them, what sort of things are you saying? Just say that I'm always there for you. There's no need to do this to yourself. Just be there for
1: them. Mostly, you can't really do much else. And sometimes it's a case of what not to say. The very things that I used to say were the things I shouldn't have said. And it's really hard as a parent because it is incredibly confronting when that that child of yours, you know, is now doing something that is so harmful and so ugly and so destructive that your brain just goes to a different place. You just... Like I said, I would feel anger and I'd feel just, like, a rage of emotion. Like, it would just make me automatically burst into tears. It would make me beg and plead her to please not do this again. You have to understand I love you so much and it hurts me, you know what I mean? It's all, you know, turning it on me. But it's it actually isn't about that. It is really about if they are coming forward to you, that is a cry for help right there. And the worst thing you can do is to react like I did.
2: So what is the best practice if you find yourself in this position? Acknowledge their distress. You know, I've, I've, this has come to my attention. Or if you walk in on it to say, you know, it's really distressing um, to see that you've done this. And, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how, how you might have been feeling when you did that. And I'm sorry that you feel... You know, so you're acknowledging the distress. You're, you're, you're naming what you've seen happen.
0: So this again is Catherine Gallagher, our clinical psychologist, who says there are many often complicated reasons why young people self-harm.
2: If I'm feeling a lot of emotional pain, I might do it to distract myself from that emotional pain and give myself some physical pain. It might actually be to create pain um, or create a feeling. Because if I'm feeling completely numb, you know, if I'm doing something to create some sensation, then that's a way to, again, I suppose, alter my state. Some do it to punish themselves. Some do it to resist suicide. So if I know if I'm self-harming, then it's a way to get rid of some of that build-up of distress. That means I'm not going to do something a bit more risky. And some do it to experiment. And sometimes it can be as simple as just not knowing what to do. I'm sitting with distress. I'm sitting with confused feelings. I don't know what else to do. I haven't got any other coping mechanisms. And I had a client in here the other day who said, I'd heard this might work, and so I tried it. So it's not as simple. Well, they just do it because they're attention-seeking. That's not the case. Young people might also do it to send a message to parents or friends come closer to me, get away from me, you know, so so it can be that it communicates different things for different people. That's hard for a parent. Completely, and and in adolescence the message can be, you know, back away, parent, because, you know, my peer group is more important. It's really important that parents obviously value the peer group or the influence of the peer group, but absolutely don't back away because your kids actually often need you more in adolescence. And self-harm calls for immediate intervention. Communicate very, very clearly that um, hurting themselves is never going to be OK. You know, you wouldn't tolerate a stranger coming in and stabbing them and go, OK, carry on. You'd go, no, get out. This is a safe home and we, want, I want my baby or my child to feel safe. So we're not going to tolerate you cutting yourself. And we're going to do whatever we can do to help you feel safe enough or give you ways or support you around ways to manage your distress, which is so that this doesn't feel like it's an option anymore.
0: And it's important to handle
2: things in a measured way. We want to try and stay calm, firm and compassionate. Remembering your child is physically or emotionally in pain. So it's that balancing act again of of you don't want to go, oh my gosh, and and big drama and not manage it. Um, We want to acknowledge We want to try and stay calm. We want to come up with a plan for what's going to happen, and we want to um, support that child and get support ourselves. So if the child's actually cut and hurt, then we want to medically address it, you know, and that's not with lots of um, attention. It's just very pragmatically dealing with what they've actually done to to harm themselves, and if that requires medical attention, then, then getting that for them. We want to take charge, even though we might be completely flawed when we see it, taking a deep breath, and just getting in there and taking charge and saying, right, this is what's going to happen.
0: Part of the plan is likely going to involve getting professional help, so it's important not to make
2: promises you can't keep. Some kids may well, in their distress, go, yeah, but don't tell anybody, or, or, you know, I won't do it again, but as long as we keep it a secret. But I think it's important to remind yourself that you're sitting with something that's outside your scope as a parent to manage, and it's actually just the same as if your child had you know, a rotavirus or, you know, a medical condition or something else going on, you'd go, I'm not a doctor, um, and so for me to expect myself to be the expert in that situation and know what to do, that's actually too much for me. I need to bring in some resource so that I can be the parent and have some people resourcing me to be the best parent I can be in this situation. And along with professional help, finding
0: others in the same boat can make all the difference, as one mother found when she discovered a
1: closed Facebook group. I can go on there any day, 24 hours, and rant, and just go, I can't take it anymore. And they all come whizzing in and just going, it's okay, it's okay, you've got this. And then, you know, how about this? And you walk away from there going, oh, thank God, thank God they understand me. They don't judge me. They don't think I'm a terrible mother because I went on there and said, I want to get off this train right now and never come back. I'm done. you know, and they don't judge you. They just accept you for who you are and say, perfectly normal, you're okay. Go away and have a cry, do what you need to do, pour a glass of wine, whatever works, and then put your big girl pants back on and get back up there and keep going.
0: And that's us for today. Are We There Yet? is produced and presented by me, Katie Gossett, with Adam McCauley on musical production. Tim Watkin is our executive producer, and we use archival material from Ngā Taonga Sound and Vision and Archives New Zealand. If you have a parenting challenge you'd like me to cover, send me an email at arewetheryet, or one word, at radionz.co.nz. And don't forget to join me for our next episode when I'll be talking about bullying.